Don't say under the table on a public podcast. They wanted a cut of everything. everything. Yeah, so even if it wasn't sustainable. Like, I just didn't want this man to go to somebody else with this. Give them this word diarrhea and then <laughs> they sit there. He's right though. And try to decipher it and just lose all faith in humanity. Adulting can be hard, even scary. Adulting Horror Stories shares intimate tales of adulting fails and insights into how to avoid them. Hello! Welcome to Adulting Horror Stories. I'm your host, Dion, and today I'm here with Jarrett and Rocky of Blue Shades Publishing. Hey, how y'all doing, everybody? So, so. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Publishing, starting a business, faking starting a business. Yep. <laughs> but as with all adulting horror stories, the thing that ties us all together and makes us one is struggle. Yes, sir. Before we begin, do you want to tell people a little bit about you guys and Blue Shades? Definitely. We're Rock. Rocky and Jarrett, that's the two co-owners of Blue Shades Publishing. We started in 2000... We got officially incorporated in 2020. Yep, 2020. Um, We actually started the publishing company because we wanted to be able to help people control the destinies of their book, whether that was what store it goes into, whether it was how they get paid for how much they put into the book. Yeah. So their royalties, their royalties and things, whether or not they want it on certain platforms, things of that nature. I wanted them to be in full, full control. control of the captain of their own ship. Right. As it were. And we're the crew being that my sister and my cousin are huge writers. I wanted to help make that platform for them so that they had they can make the most off of their work. Um, so that's really what started it all. Being that my cousin's working on his own book and my sister is in school right now for literature. So I just want to do my part and help help them and now us <laughs> yeah. actually do that for not themselves, just themselves, but for others also. I guess we could tell how we came up with Blue Shades. <laughs> uh, so, like, we came up with Blue Shades because I'm writing a book and at the time, our first author, but also like a... Well, now, like a family member, like a family friend, originally, she was doing a interview, an interview like she was like messing around with like camera recording, like video recording, doing interviews and stuff like that. So she wanted to do an interview. I was like, all right, cool. So we go out to a park in uh, our city to do the interview. And after we did the interview, we were like throwing around ideas because like we'd already been talking about like doing, you know, a, publishing doing a publishing company he'd already brought that up beforehand but we didn't really know a name for it so then during the interview i was wearing a pair of blue shades so then after that like we were throwing around names and then jared came up with the idea of like blue shades and at first it was kind of like a joke but then like i was like actually that'd be kind of fire you know because like we could like wear blue shades and like when we have our authors and stuff like that we could give our authors blue, blue shades, shades. And, like, we can make this a whole thing. Yeah. It's not just, like, mm-hmm. it could be, like, our theme. Theme, yeah. Our gimmick. Most almost. people use glasses to read. So. Yeah. And so it was, like, our own twist on it. We even so came then, up with a motto for it. Yep. Yeah, Blue Shades Publishing, see the world through our lenses. 
<laughs> I like it. And so, like, that was where the name of the company came up. But right. That was where we came up with. It was kind of on a lark. Yeah, something that we was cracking jokes about for forever. Because yep. I don't, I'm not really a big shades person like that. And he just has these round blue shades that he's wearing all over the place. And he I'm was just clowning me for you. I got all types of jokes. Fresh with him, but that's besides the point. Now, all of a sudden, we both wearing them and doing pretty well. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's, that's blue shades for you. Awesome. That's a really touching story. Sort of like a family working together to support each other. Hey, man, yeah. somebody got to do it. Why not us? Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, the topic that I want to discuss today was a lot around starting a business, starting a publishing business in this particular case. What I like to do for my guests when they come on, they're sharing a very personal story of their own. Mm. I try to share my own personal story first so that my guests aren't alone. Got you. If people are laughing at you, they'll be laughing at me too. Sounds good. So I'm going to tell the story of a competition, right? Mm. I don't have a true business startup type horror story Mm. my first attempt to own a business is this podcast and as you can tell it's been a roaring success you're doing real good (laughs) real good right that's what i tell myself (laughs) but i did get to simulate the process of starting a business in college there was this competition it was called the ibm watson case competition And for anybody listening that doesn't know, IBM Watson is kind of like a question-answering supercomputer. You can ask Watson questions using, like, natural language, normal speech language, and Watson will answer them. And it feels a little less revolutionary now that we have things like Siri and Alexa. Right, right. But Watson goes a lot further in terms of understanding and computing ability Mm. so if anybody watches jeopardy watson came on as a contestant and basically crushed some of jeopardy's best contestants whereas if it was like siri or alexa one both of them would take longer to answer and two sometimes they wouldn't understand your question like i don't understand that what did you say (laughs) yeah and then sometimes Rather than giving you an answer, they would pull up a Google search and be like, here's what I've found. Watson doesn't do that. Watson is like, this is the answer, and I am correct, and everyone else on this game show should feel bad. (laughs) But Right. um, I'm pretty sure Watson can probably do more complicated, like, math, too. So Jeopardy is more a trivia show, but I wouldn't be surprised if... You ask to do some crazy calculus, it probably can. Just, it's a computer at the end of the day. So for the case competition, people were asked to find a way to use IBM Watson's technology. It's called cognitive computing technology to improve some aspect of public services. The winning team would get $5,000. Mm. I did not know about this competition. I did not necessarily care about this competition. But my friend, who was already running a small company with his brother, wanted to enter. And he invited me and two other friends to join. Mm. Mm. 
So at the time, I knew I didn't want to start my own business, but I said, sure. I knew some stories of engineers who would sort of like work at a company. And then if the company like closed down or something, they would branch off and start their own business making something. And so I figured it would be good to get some experience with starting one in case I ever found myself in that, you know? Makes sense. And I also thought it'd be fun. Yeah. It was not fun. It it was not fun. Not, not a little bit? Not for the faint of heart. No, yeah. The yeah, it's not. It's not. Um, so I'll start with the good, right? Because it, it wasn't all terrible, right? But I think the team I was on, we came up with a good idea. And I think we marketed it as best as we could with the resources we had as like broke sophomores in college. Our idea was called Bureaucrat Watson. Mm. We were going to use Watson to conduct interactive surveys in multiple languages for immigrants, right? So the public service was going to be immigration and trying to make the process easier. A lot of immigrants, when they're filing for themselves, when they're filing for family members, they make mistakes on the form, partly because English isn't their first language a lot of the time. And even then, the language can be complicated. Right. So with Watson, you could basically have a conversation in your own language. And when the conversation was over, Watson would spit out a completed immigration form for you. That was our idea. That's actually really that's actually really smart. Yeah. Right? Right. It was amazing. We we totally should have won, but Oh y'all didn't win? I'm, no. That right there, that's <laughs> spoiler alert. We lost. Oh my god. But <laughs> what won? Um, I don't remember for my year. I looked up in twenty eighteen and in twenty eighteen it was um something that would basically give more accurate real time flood data to different Basically, the pace is being impacted by a flood because, like, what they use right now isn't crazy accurate. Fair enough. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So that was 2018. I think we competed in, like, 2014. Ah, got uh, you. I don't remember. I don't... We don't need to think about that. Got you. So we don't need right? to think about that. <laughs> got you. Don't got to say no more. Yeah. Got you. But it's, 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 it's fine. It was not part of my goals at the time anyway. Right. And so... We did our best to market it. We made it through the first round of the competition, but we didn't make it through the next round, which I think would have been like the semifinals. Mm. Okay. So what was the horror story part? Few things. One, it felt misleading. So the competition starts off very nurturing and supporting. You're introduced to a bunch of people who are supposed to be your mentors, and they tell you to reach out whenever if you need advice or insight. You know, they're always available. There's also a special person who, like, works with IBM Watson who can tell you what Watson can and can't do to help you sort of brainstorm and stuff. Mm -hmm. However... Oh, boy. <laughs> when you actually do reach out to a lot of those people, even when you make an appointment, right. they're not available. Nope, never. Why would they be? And so I remember we, like, these these are working people with jobs and a full life. It is perfectly normal for you to not to be available at the drop of the dime. But if I make an appointment and sit there waiting for you for a half hour, you said you would be I appreciate... At. 
Yes. I'd appreciate if you were there. So that wasn't fun. And then I feel like in startup culture, there's a lot of like, there's a form of elitism of like, if your team can't figure it out on its own, you're probably not good enough anyway. Yep. And I feel like I could feel the the pressure from that in a way. Mm-hmm. Why should you be able to ask for help? I didn't need help. Why would you need help? And yet I feel like most like really successful business people, their idea starts with like a loan of a million dollars from their parents. But yep. that's none of my business. And yep. yep. But then, you know, they admit stuff like the So because they admit it, everybody thinks, oh, they just, you know, did this all on their own sweat of their own back, you know, their own grit. And it's just like, no, well, they then, had a lot of help. Let me tell you something about Blue Shades. We did not have no million dollar uh, uh, donation. That's for sure. Yeah, I wish we did. <laughs> we wouldn't... We, We'd be in such a different spot right now if we had something like that. It ain't even funny. <laughs> Same. I don't know. What would I do if I had a million dollars to make a podcast? That's a good question. Shoot, you can do a podcast tour. You My can... production value would be through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> a million dollars? You can go to each state. I know, right? <laughs> and, and do some type of live podcast. You can set up a whole tour for adults and horror stories. That'd be cool, man. Just... You know, later down the line. Probably get some rich people to do adulting horror stories. That'd really get you some some pull. True. A- yeah, actually, a million dollars. You could yeah. pay. You could pay to get a uh, celebrity or somebody to come on. That's Even all you, you need. Like, say, like you get somebody big, like Moray from like Fayetteville. We're from Fayetteville, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we're from Fayetteville. Or so J like, Cole. Or J Cole. You can get somebody like them. Be like, yeah, I'll throw up fifty racks. Just sit here for like ten minutes and like talk with me. <laughs> you make stupid money. You would. Uh, I believe it. So. The second thing that was a challenge was it's kind of abstract, mm. meaning it's not like we got to use IBM Watson. We basically just got to ask those specialists about what Watson can and can't do, what languages it knows and doesn't know. And so a lot of the thoughts you have, they need to become fully formed into like a finished product all in your head. There's no physically testing things or prototyping things, right? Got you. Our team did have two computer science majors on it, two computer science sophomores. But my friend and I, I was a chemical engineering major. He was an environmental engineering major. And I remember feeling the whole time like we had a great idea, but physically manifesting that into a product just felt real, really impossible. Right. I was researching like immigration forms and trying to convert the content of the form into like a conversational format. But it's not like I knew how to then turn that into an app that would ask the questions or implement like voice to text software so that you would be able to demo what the conversation is like. Gotcha. So it was just hard to see how to bring the idea further into reality. Mm-hmm. And in terms of justifying it, there also wasn't a lot of data on errors in the immigration process. There wasn't as much as I'd have wanted. So I know when I was looking back over the product, I think it was like maybe 11% of one type of immigration form, the one we focused on, might be sent back due to errors. But I would have wanted more data on, like, which groups are most impacted, what is the error, and what is it more specifically relative to, like, different immigration processes, because it's very different depending on who you're filing for. Right. And it just wasn't there, at least at the time. Mm. Makes sense. So three, 
it was a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. We were still full-time students. Mm. Some of us were working. And there were definitely times when, like, stress got to people and we had some tense moments, you know, people accusing other people of not doing enough work. Yep. Yep. The the stereotypical college group project. Yep. 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 Um, I'm doing all the work. No, I'm doing all the work. Well, I don't know what we're doing. That's because you never show up. Yep. All true. Yep. And then finally... We were just way, 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 way out of our league, and I, at minimum, did not know it. So, to make it to the next round, right, to the semifinals, I think, one of the things you had to do was make a pitch video. And my team did a video using some free software that, like, if you use it, they keep their watermark on your video, and we recorded audio that I would be embarrassed to have on my podcast today. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, and I, w- I want to reiterate, I am proud of what we did given the resources that we had, but it was clearly an amateur level video, mm-hmm. right? And then when it was sort of over, like on the presentation day when you you know saw the winners, we got to watch the product videos of the winning teams that did make it to the semifinals. And I realized that for many of these people, this was not their first time doing a competition like this. Nope. And many of them had developed their idea like well before the competition started, right? They more prepared. Yep. Their pitch videos were like legit commercials. Oh, wow. They did have experience with making apps. Their ideas were already like super fleshed out relative to the amount of time we had to come up with the idea. And so what I took from it was, you know, these people probably already had a startup idea they were working on to sell a product, right? And then they would enter competition after competition, building on the idea and refining it. And so when it came to the Watson competition, all they had to do was say, Watson has the capability to do this thing. We already plan to have a regular computer do, and Watson will probably do it better. Gotcha. And even if they originally planned for their startup to be a private company, it doesn't take that much modification to convert their product into a public service. So, for example, the world would love it if Netflix was offered as a low-cost public service to help new immigrants learn English. Yep. Great. Barnes & Nobles could become the new model for public libraries. And if you already plan to develop software to better track adverse weather patterns like that flooding project that won in, like, 2018... It'd be even better if you have the capability to say, you know, Watson, what parts of New York do you expect to be worst hit during the next hurricane and get an answer in real time without having to click any buttons? Yeah. Mm. That'd be a game changer. Yeah. So it's it it's it's easy to just keep doing these competitions, get better, and then when you see this competition, you're just like, yeah, let's flex it to do that. Right. Yeah. 
And of course, that is what you should do, right? Keep refining and developing with each competition. And if you win, use the money to develop the product even further. I'm not bashing the contestants for being more experienced, but realizing we were at such a disadvantage did not make me feel better at the time. Yeah, yeah. that's discouraging. Yeah, very discouraging. Yeah, but it, I'm fine now. Okay, I'm healed. Right. <laughs> Right. We're, um, that's why we got this podcast, right? Yeah. Right. Right. They're out there running a business and I make a podcast to talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. I think the thing that bothers me the most about leaving that experience is that rather than coming away from it thinking, yeah, that was hard, but now I know where I'd begin if I did start my own company someday, I mainly left with an extreme distaste for startup culture and the personalities within it. And it took me a really long time just to overcome that. Got you. And I I wasn't expecting that to sort of be the outcome. You know, I thought it would be more like this has been a fun learning experience. Right, right. Something. So yeah, that's my horror story. It's pretty tough. It's, it's ironic, though, because now you're telling... Yeah. Horror stories of the startup in a sense. Right. That's right. the sort of purpose. That's crazy. It, I like it. It is true. You got you gotta turn your L's into lessons. You know, future successes and lessons. I like that. Future successes. I like that. So what are some of your publishing horror stories or even just like business startup horror stories? Because I know if you really did start up like as a formal business, like registered it costs money there's taxes to deal with potential like legal issues if someone's like trying to sue you over what you did with their book so how's that been so we have avoided knock on wood any major legal troubles for now i say that and then i wake up tomorrow and then there's of course some, somebody is somebody is uh but that's not happening that's not happened as of yet uh lord be willing but we have had Numerous situations, just like there was an entire point where like we were trying to figure out where like just like where to go since like we just started. We were lucky because when we just started, we already had somebody who was willing to work with us, you know, and like when you have a business and you just start a business, you don't have a track record. Right. So like it was just very anxiety inducing trying to figure out, you know, like how are we going to get our name out there because of the fact that like we need to do this right so our first book was like the most hectic for us just because of the fact that we had to you know like this is we were like learning things as we were going going, yeah trying to like make sure that we did things right you know like learning how to publish in general knowing all the parts that are required to publish a book legally in the united states right you know we had to find a printing company uh the first time that that's an excellent one to start off with the first time that we were going to print, uh, we were originally going to, this is like a very early version of my oh, yeah, book yeah. that I'm know. writing. Yep. Cause we that went, was, that's why we started was his book. Yeah. We okay. ended up going to this printing company in Fayetteville who had never printed, they had never printed, cause there's different types of printing companies, yeah, like book printing companies. Like your scholastic stuff. Scholastic stuff. Your booklets and booklets. There's like hardback books, like those big poster printing, you know, stuff like that. Brick books that you'd get in high school or middle school, like that you had to bring to class every day and they 
they gave you one for the year and you had to hold it. Like, like there's different printing companies that print different types of books and not every printing company prints everything, which. Wait, you couldn't, you couldn't just go to Staples? No, oh, no, 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 we couldn't. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't just go to Staples. So we go, I wish we could have went to Staples. I wish we could have gone to Staples. It would have been <laughs> so much easier. So we go to this printing company. I'm not going to name drop or anything like that because I'm Don't not. Do that. We won't do that. But like we went to them. There were these two uh, older white guys who were like the ones like we kind of went to speak to. And like they were really excited for us and all that stuff. But the thing was like and they kind of let it slip eventually. They never printed like a regular book. paperback, paperback book, book before. Mm-hmm. Okay. And their prices... Because they'd never done that before, were ridiculous. Were ridiculous because they were they they weren't using like their normal procedures and everything like that. And if we're being mm-hmm. honest, like they were basically charging us to be the test of it, basically because they'd never done this before. They were used to printing booklets, pamphlets, and other stuff like that. Even banners, like even banners. Yeah, you know. And so they wanted well over a thousand dollars to print like a handful of books. That's both like. Less than I expected, but also because you say a handful, it was still crazy that because crazy. it is just it, a handful. Yeah, like it wasn't, you know, like, like we tried, we did the math to see how much we would have to oh, charge yeah. per book just to break even. Wild. It was a ridiculous number. You'd have to sell the book, and and it's the our first book was a little like not saying little, but you know, it was a poetry like a hundred, book. It's a hundred hundred some page pages. poetry book. Yeah, like we can't sell a poetry book for fifty bucks. You can't. Like it's just it's people will laugh you out of the store, and then you, they'd be right to do that. So like <laughs> that was like really that was a blow to the gut. Yeah, because it's like then, dang, what are we gonna do? How yeah, are we like, gonna put this book out? How are we going to like we just started? How are we going to do anything? And we don't have no mentors or nobody. Nobody knows like, anything. Nobody we can go to to the, talk to about these things. The people that actually that we I know a couple of people that actually put out a book before, and they still wouldn't give me any. Just go back to your little making meetings, and nobody showing up, or they don't really want to talk about it, or mm-hmm. you know. So like the people I know that have put out books before, nobody wants to do the little help to help me figure out how to do it. So and they self published. So yeah. So like. We were, like, stressed over that. We went to several other people within the city who they either didn't print the types of books that we we were looking for or they, once again, like, there was an absorbent price. So then one day we were, like, kind of sitting there and I was just like, wait, why don't we try going, like, printing online? Like, just find a store, find a printer online. There's got to be a book printing company that we can get that isn't in this area. Yes, it'd be nice to be in this area because we could go pick up the books. But, like, if it's cheaper to print somewhere else and then just pay for shipping and do that. that. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. we ended up finding the company that we use now to print our books and the price was way, way better. Cheaper. Like way, way, way cheaper. Like less than half. We can literally put not adding editing and a cover and all that good stuff. The actual bulk of the book with like the writing, the words and everything, just that part probably and without having to pay for your cover and everything, you probably could spend about six hundred dollars or less and put your book out. And with the packages that we that we offer it's even less than that so you yeah. can roughly put out about four hundred dollars and four hundred five hundred dollars and put your book out so yeah awesome it is and it's really not that much when you get down to it especially yeah. with the help and so that was probably like our first major one yeah. as far as like business in general because jared has two businesses so ah like, yeah 
I was going to say, like, I would just sell, like, your personal one, like, dealing with your other company just because, like, it ties into the whole That's subject true. matter. Yeah. Because Blue Shades is a company, like, we've had... We haven't had any big ones. Yet. Thankfully. Yeah. yeah. But I think I that's really because... I don't really want big ones, but, yeah. like... I wasn't going to go there, but, yeah, let's do that. Uh, My first company is a clothing brand. It's called Sanguine. Sanguine means tough or difficult... Being optimistic or tough in a difficult situation. Yeah. Being optimistic okay. in a tough or difficult yeah. situation. And then actually, actually, my cousin's um, alias or his author uh, The first author part name of my author name, SNRL, stands for Seven Hour Wrestler, which came from Sanguine. Which came from Sanguine. That was our motto. <clears throat> yeah. So that was my first business. It's still, it's still a business and still active and everything, but I just haven't put anything new out lately because of this horror story, um, which is crazy because I feel like I had to go through this horror story to be able to, for Blue Shades to move so smoothly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so I'm starting off real well. I got a whole bunch of friends supporting me. We're doing photo shoots, all that good stuff. Um, I ran across my old, like elementary school friends. We all got up together and, you know, we having a good, you know, just talking about how our lives came up and things of that nature, how we've changed since elementary school and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, we got real close again for a minute there. And then I was like, well, I got this business. Why don't y'all, you know, hop on, you know, trying to be. Because everybody wants to bring their friends up with them. You know what I'm saying? I had other friends, but they weren't as interested. You know what I'm saying? So because everybody was interested, we was like, yeah, you know, hop on. We got this, yada, yada. So everybody jumps on for a minute there. And then we're we're going in. And uh, we got to a point where I had to pay for different taxes and had to pay for, um, oh, what's it, uh, taxes, photographers, you know, the regular business prices they didn't really know about, right? So mm-hmm. they thought they were being slighted because I wasn't paying them for the little to no work they were doing. You know what I'm saying? I give them a couple dollars here and there, but it wasn't like the big stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, I can't keep putting out money and not, I have to keep money in the business. So like the only things that I really pay for is the things I have to. And like, if you come up with a design, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm gonna give you money for that or. You know, where I can, but I can't just keep giving money out. They wanted a cut of, of everything. everything. Yeah. So even if it wasn't sustainable. Right. So I'm like, OK, I can't really do that. So that was a riff for a little bit. And then finally, I took a big risk. Um, There was a, a jacket that everybody loved. I built the hype up for everybody was loving it. I already had a few other items that were out moving, circulating. And um, instead of doing another smaller item and just keeping the momentum I went ahead and kind of threw all my eggs in one basket for this jacket. And I actually get my things made from overseas and shipped over here. So, you know, it was a good chunk of change. Uh Yeah. So um, once I got the jacket, I come to find out that there's a factory defect. On like half of them? On majority of them. And I've already pre, like people have pre-ordered the jacket. So once the people that were with me found out that they had a factory defect and they saw the money that was coming in, of people that already pre-ordered the jacket, now all of a sudden they went out and they're telling people the factory defect. Why? Exactly. Why? Exactly. Um, yeah. May I ask a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, you know, it, it probably depends. Like, what type of contract did you have with that manufacturer? Like, if you if you see a blatant defect, do you have the option to send it back to them and have them send you better product i didn't i i actually didn't because i'm like i said i'm learning i didn't have i was yeah, i was 19 even. at the time 
I didn't really, I'm going, I'm learning as I'm going. So I've done the, with the company that I was working with, they've done all good work so far. And if I needed a change, they give me a discount on the next one. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't really, okay. it wasn't really like I can get a refund, you know, for the defect or anything. Yeah, you made a, it was a learning mistake. Yeah. So mistake. I, I put my eggs all in one basket and then not adding the friends that were on the edge teetering and then found a way to get out and make money. It was. Yeah. So they telling everybody about the factory defects. So now people are, you know, asking for refunds. And for me, because of what the clothing brand meant to me, like just the saying and everything, the suffering hour wrestler, the sanguine, meaning optimistic in a tougher, difficult situation. It was more about keeping the character of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to lose the character. So thus I had to come out of pocket to refund yeah. the money for all these jackets that I've sold. And I, it was about a hundred fifty shipment and i was selling jackets for 30 to 40 bucks so do math on that and it was i sold probably close to 70 80 of them so came out a good chunk of change and i had to refund everybody and they they lose faith yeah lost a lot of faith um company went in the negative had to bring it out the negative somehow ain't nothing but god brought it out the negative and then went back in because they still was trying to find ways over so that's being that horror story you know taught me everybody can't go with us to the next level or can't take everybody, take everybody to, the to the top you know and then also don't put all your eggs in one basket when the pace you're going is fine you know what i'm saying because the pace that i was going was actually doing really well and i tried to jump the gun taking a big risk and i could have took a smaller risk and not saying not to take risk but you know like i could have took a smaller risk. calculated risk yeah. you know what i'm saying so yeah, that was that was my horror story, and then I got to Blue Shades, and of course, uh, nothing too too crazy, but you know, it's probably the worst horror story I got. <laughs> it's bound to come though, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's another thing. Like in business, you have to take risks, and that's that's pretty much just how it goes. Right. But also, like, try to cover your bases as best you can. Nobody's perfect, especially like if you don't. Like, even people who do have degrees, like, if you don't have a degree and you're just trying to get out here and, like, put a product out or get, like, something established for yourself, you have to understand that everybody's in it for themselves. Right. At the end of the day. And because everybody's in it for themselves, they have no problem sinking your ship just to give themselves a little bit of a boost. Right. And, like, we're only, like, I'm 23. He's 24 at the time. That was, I was 19. So it's uh, it was a lot of learning to do. But we're doing much better now. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I'm sorry you had to go through that. It reminds me of a lot of situations I've heard of people starting some type of business with family or friends. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's painful because it, I don't know, it's one thing to have disagreements. It's a, it's another thing for them to sabotage you because you could have sold the good ones or whatever. And before anyone had a chance to complain given a 100% refund like hey we've had some supply chain issues like keep the rumors down had some supply chain issues unfortunately we'll have to refund your jacket but we'll let you know when it's available again but yeah would have been much smoother and it would have been from us rather than oh word of mouth right it was like oh i've been working on the inside and this is what's going on type stuff you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. it also kind of made me jaded for a minute there from you know working with a lot of people where they weren't automatically gaining something from, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to discern and things of that nature. So, yeah. I guess a question I do have is, did you have any type of contract with those people, be it like... Nothing besides um, just mm-hmm. being able, not be able to take the name and stuff. Like, if you wanted to work with me, you had to sign this contract that I have saying, you know, I won't run off with your ideas or run off with the name and everything. Even though I have everything, you know, incorporated and copyrighted and everything, um, I was just making sure nobody could take my ideas. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but no, like, finance, like, no payment contract. No, no payment contract, because everything was done under the table yep. for now. You know what I'm saying? Cause Don't say under the table on a public podcast. Hey, man, it is. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> Everything was negotiated between friends. There you go. Let's go with that. Yeah, so. And you paid your taxes, and you did everything by the books. Yep. Let's just be real clear. <laughs> Got you. But, yeah, we um we did all that. And what they agreed upon, they did. They did receive. It was just, I guess they didn't feel it was enough or, I don't know, substantial for the amount that was coming in, even though I wasn't using any of the money to, for myself or anything. It was just for like, the only time I'd use it is if I had a business meeting or I had to go somewhere for business or things of that nature. It was never on any personal things. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Makes sense. Do you have any other horror stories? That are business related? Business related, publishing related. In terms of. Oh, man. Uh, horror mini story. Mini yeah. horror story. Mini horror story. There you go. We love a mini horror story. Somebody came to us and he was trying to do a horror book. And so, one big red flag, generally speaking, when somebody is trying to publish their work, is if they say they've done all of the editing themselves. Mm. that's usually bad generally speaking that's usually bad it doesn't and, and it doesn't even necessarily be like because you're bad at editing you're bad at editing your own work like i would never edit my own book why one because i'll remove things that didn't necessarily need to be removed but right. i will also leave things that objectively probably shouldn't have been there right or like leave in errors that i don't notice because i'm used to reading this text so i'm not really looking at it with a fresh set of eyes mm-hmm. so this guy comes to us and he has a book and he wants to publish with us. All right, cool. It's a horror book. Okay, we've never done horror before. This sounds great. I'm right. all excited and everything like right. that. Open up the document. As soon as I read the first... The first sentence. The first sentence. <laughs> nothing but grammatical errors. Just egregious to the point that I you said... You can't understand what's going on because of that. That's A how 12-year-old could have wrote this better. A 12-year-old failing English could have wrote this better. Like, it's, it was bad. It was it so was... bad you couldn't read it. And, like, his descriptions of things, his metaphors, like, his prose, how he describes a scene and everything was so disjointed and awkward. It was cumbersome, like, genuinely taxing just to read it. Like, the first paragraph. I felt like I had to decipher a puzzle. So I'm assuming you didn't publish this individual. No, no. of course not. No. I Okay. <laughs> I tried to... um. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that this guy understood the issues that he was having. So and that how we can fix them. How we can fix them. How he can fix them. Even if right. he doesn't want to like, like, I just want, I just didn't want him to have to do the same thing to somebody else. I'm going to keep it a stack with you. Like, I just didn't want this man to go to somebody else. With this. Give them this word diarrhea. And then <laughs> they sit there. He's right, though. And try to decipher it. And just lose all faith in humanity. Because I sat there for a second and I was also like, Jared. 
if I have to deal with something like this again, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, it was bad. Like, it was bad enough that I was really considering, like, That's pretty tough. is this what the average person is writing? Is it really this awful? And so, like, I tried to explain to him, and I didn't say, like, this was awful, but I pretty much in a scholarly type manner tried to tell him show like, him what could fix work work on this needs to be fixed like this is very disjointed this doesn't really make a lot of sense you might want to read some other horror books to get a better understanding of like how to describe things how story structure works and stuff like that basically i was trying to like leave it off on like you need work you need a lot of work but we'll work with you Right. You can if you're at the bottom, you can go nowhere but up. This guy does not uh, really, because he, he was he was pretty upset. I'm not gonna lie, he was very upset with the response. He basically said that Stephen King, because everybody always uses Stephen King as their example. Stephen King had an army of editors in order to get his books out, and basically we couldn't see the greatness in him because. We just we, we, we just didn't know anything. We're publishers, so obviously we don't know anything about the creative process. Or how a book uh, goes. Or how a book goes. How it should go and out. Basically it's like it's okay, you'll be reading my book anyway. Thanks for uh thanks for reading it anyway. But you're wasting you know, my time. Something you're like wasting that. my time basically. Like but I'm gonna put my book out. You're gonna see, you know, I'm the next Stephen King. Yeah. Cool. Um so my thing with that is if he knows Stephen King had an army of editors to get his book out, if that's true, why are you not willing to accept the help of right. multiple people who might want to give you some edits? Right. Exactly. So now... He didn't understand the irony. I don't think he understood So, so now, because I love how you said earlier, like the... Losses are just future successes. I think, or L's are just future. And lessons, I think you guys added. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So let's we go back. To, losses and the lessons. That's like our thing. Right. So let's go back to that. So thus, I took his paragraph of what you call the word diarrhea. Yeah. That good stuff. Yeah. Word so moment. we took that and now it's a test for our editors that come across and how they could fix it and things of that nature. So yeah. Okay. We call it the Terza test. Yeah. So yeah. We had to flip it. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Is, I don't know, do you have the author's consent to do that? I guess you're not publishing it. Like, you're not making money off of it. Yeah, we're not making any we money never, off of it. Yeah. yeah. We don't make any money or anything from it. But he did agree that we could have the snippet, though. Yeah. yeah. It's a snippet. We only use, it's not even a full page of it. Right. And it's just to test our editors. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty uh, mini horror story, you yeah. know. But yeah. I learned from that that, like, generally speaking, people don't, and, like, this is, like, just kind of, like, a human thing. Um, people don't like criticism all that much. Like, most people tend to take uh, any type of criticism personally. It's very hard for them to just kind of set it aside and be like, this is that, this isn't an attack on me. Right. And I feel as though... He took it as an attack He took on it as himself. a personal attack yeah. on him. Like, I was saying that he wasn't good enough. When I was just saying, wasn't this, the case. This what you're doing right here. This needs to be worked on. We actually had people read over and was like, "Yeah, you you, you weren't even half as mean as I would have been." Uh, <laughs> most publishers wouldn't have even would even got yeah yeah facts. That's they would have just told them this is unacceptable and then just left it at that. Or if they even responded at all, they would have just not responded. Yeah. So, many horror story. Many horror story. <laughs> it reminds me of two things. One. One of my friends, basically, one of her exes asked her mm -hmm. to 
read over an assignment he had for a class. And I'm just going to say what he wrote was very similar to what you guys described. Ah, got you covered. And I think that the painful part is like, it's not just, oh, it's so bad. It's you don't recognize that it's bad. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I if I pull an all nighter, I know that there's mistakes in there, but I physically cannot see because I'm too tired. And I just I can acknowledge that. Yep. Yeah. But you're just like, no, this is this is great. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is an honest day's work. Yeah. Mm-mm. Um, And it also reminds me just in terms of like being defensive about your work. I did take a lot of, like, accept a lot of criticism over my first demo episode. How much criticism you say, I literally took it down. Like, once I learned how to make a podcast episode, I pulled it down and fixed it and re-uploaded it. And my edited version was literally, like, my better edited version Mm -hmm. was literally half the length of the original. Wow. Um, Man, look at the growth, though. (laughs) Right, right. But I remember just trying to have some compassion for the person who submitted their writing sample. Yeah. You know, I openly was I was openly admitting my demo episode was not going to be the best. And I wanted all the criticism possible. Oh, man. To like learn. Right, right. How to make it better because I knew it needed help. Right. But the piece of criticism that sticks with me the most is one of my friends, a good friend of mine, a well-meaning person, a person that I care about very much. Right. Right. They didn't just say, oh, the audio's weird or it's too rambling or I think you could pick a better topic or whatever, whatever. They didn't give like improvements. They literally asked like, why are you even doing this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, why do you even want to take up people's time? doing this <gasps> and oh my and you're still here how i'm still here gosh but, um that's a shot to the face that one like you, you, i don't know i'm certain you all have some type of family or friend grudge somewhere in your lives where it's like you love a person you want the best for them but laying up awake at night the thing that pissed you off can come back and still be, like, just as hot as back when it first happened. All of yep. the time. That comment happens for me when I'm editing. Yep, I understand. <laughs> just in the back of my mind, it's like, why are you even doing this? I, gosh, that's tough. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but it was, meant, it, was, it was meant well. Like, like, I promise, it was not meant maliciously. Yeah. Hey, man, you're still here. Yeah, still here. We're, this is going to be... Somewhere between season two and season three, I was planning for this to all be season two, but I've gotten way more recordings way faster than I anticipated. So some people might get pushed out. Hey, it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. But moving on. Yep. I do have some other questions for you. Tried to like make the dream happen. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. How long did it take to get from the idea of having a publishing company or for Jared having a clothing company to making your first sale or like actually making profit? Uh, how long? Is that what you just, yeah. How long? Uh, let's see here for the, I'll answer for the clothing one real quick. Uh, for the clothing, it was my senior year of high school. I was taking exams. I got four or five questions. I had a, I had the motto, uh, suffer now, rest later for like the whole year. Me and my girlfriend at the time 
had that motto just between us two. And, you know, I was saying it all the time. It was my background on my phone. So for now, I was mm-hmm. But that's because I have, um, I had a TBI and I uh, missed a whole year and some change of school. A TBI is a traumatic brain injury. Oh. Yeah. Um, missed a whole year and some change of school. Had to fight to catch back up with my class. Graduated on on time. You know, so I that's that high school was real tough for me. So suffering hours later has a whole nother meaning, you know, but we'll we'll probably dive in that another day or something. But um, but yeah, so a lot, a lot I had to overcome. And then, you know, of course, students got jokes and stuff. So I was dealing with that. If everybody that knew I had a brain injury. But anyways, got to the exam for an entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneurship class. <laughs> and uh, the exam that we had, there was like five or six questions in a row about a clothing brand. And I was just like, so once I got off done with the, t- the exam, you know, they give you phones and everything. So I texted, um, texted my girl at the time. And I was like, what do you think about putting suffering hours later on a T-shirt? And she was like, oh, that'd be cool or whatever. So I was like, yeah, but if I'm going to do it, I ain't just going to do T-shirts. I'm going to make a business out of it. So from there, uh, that exam was probably in May. By September, I had a I had a clothing brand <laughs> by September. In between that time, I came up with a better name rather than suffering hours later because I thought that was too long. So found another word that kind of fit how I've been feeling or, you know, how I felt I persevered. So, so that's how Sanguine came about. And then Suffering Hour Rest Later became the motto, like, just do it for Nike. So <laughs> that's how I looked at it. And then September 2017 was my, uh, was the start of the uh, clothing brand. And then my first sale was, who's my first sale to? I got samples and I ended up selling, I think I sold the sample and the sample hat to a friend of mine that was around at the time. So yeah, that was probably in that same month of September. So about three, four months. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Considering. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, I had to sell my whole sneaker collection to start though. And I'm a huge sneaker head. <laughs> That's another mini horror story. Oh, that. Yeah. I'm not a sneaker head, but my brother is. And I feel like that. Oh my would, gosh. That would be heartburn. It destroyed me. At the time I had about 40 pairs of sneakers. I'm talking Jordans, Nikes, Adidas, uh, Asics, different, way different stuff. Cause I like different flavors. So, um, mm-hmm. and ended up selling all my sneakers for the most part. I think I kept about five or six and made, had about 2000 and some change, a little over 2000 and some change and took that money to go start the business. So, yeah. So my question then is, do you, if you know, cause it, I don't know, it might be math you weren't specifically keeping track of right but when you go from making your first sale mm-hmm. to being net profitable before the jacket incident before the i was doing great actually um the shirts were costing me because i was getting them overseas somebody hooked me up and gave me a way to find out how to do that so ended up uh youtube is your best friend by the way yeah, but um <laughs> uh went ahead and bought the shirts overseas were like two or three dollars a piece and they had a material i love okay. and i would sell the shirts i was selling shirts for 25 dollars. so you awesome you i made a good chunk of change you know what i'm saying so um especially back and then taxes was uh i think taxes was like two dollars and some change it's been a minute since i've been selling clothes so um i think it was like two dollars and change and uh yeah and i had hats too so the hats were selling for 25 so and i only got the hat made for like five dollars so like I said, <laughs> do the math, you know. I made a pretty good chunk of change. Uh, publishing, it was like, let's see here. We had the idea for 
over a year because the my cousin was writing a book for. I was writing it since December 2019. Yeah, so from the start of that, probably to the closer to the end of the year where we were like, yeah, we should start a publishing company. So we got like art made and everything for our logo, all that good stuff. And I already knew the runaround for how to start a business and to become incorporated and all that good stuff. So I'm like, yeah, we got this. And sure enough, a whole another year goes by. And because we're at the end of the year again, 2020 hits and we started our first our publishing company our let's see here our first sale luckily we had um a family friend who wanted to do a poetry book and was willing to take a shot on us being that i helped her come up with the idea i'm not gonna lie but uh (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna lie but um which helped us in the long run because it ended up bringing in a book after book after book so far so um i'll say that was January 2020. Her book dropped in August. It took that long to finally figure out all the logistics and things of that nature to figure out how to put out a book and actually have it published and everything. It took about a year. And we dropped the book in August and we were sitting at the dinner table just having a family, like a family function. And um, she was over and all of a sudden our phones started going off with sales for her first pre-order book sale. And hmm. Yeah, so we just eating, looking back and forth. She sold out of the first 75 in like a month. Yeah, in about a month. It was a month and some change. A month and some change. We usually do like a 75 cap to start off with. And uh, yeah. the pre-order went crazy. So we were just sitting there looking at each other back and forth, laughing of how, you know, all that hard work finally paying off. Oh, yeah. So, it was like, that was something we really labored over. Yeah. Just because like, once again, it was our first book. And that was our first sale was book dropped. Book dropped in August, probably like two or three days later, it was up for, to be purchased. And yep, that was that. The rest is history. I'm not going to lie. That's a lot faster than I expected. I always assume it take like three years and oh, yeah. 10 different business plans. Nah, it just it depends on the author, what they have done. Now that we know the process much, much, much better. Um, We'd actually our most recent book. We met her and at the end of October, she said she wanted her book out by November 14th. The book was here by November 12th. Okay. Wow. It all depends on what's done. What's is certain funds in order for certain things and things of that nature. So yeah, it depends on the author. We don't mind taking that long journey with you, but there are some circumstances where it can go as quick as three weeks or a month. What I'm thinking about right now, separate, like sort of separate topic is Mm -hmm. you're talking about this you know, really important entrepreneurship class that you took. And I remember my barber was talking about how basically he, in a sense, is a business owner too. I think he owns his shop, but he was saying how, you know, he took a class maybe on starting a business. Mm -hmm. His twin brother took a class on like taxes and whatnot. And so by working together, they've been able to be really successful. And I'm sitting here like entrepreneurship, taxes, starting a business. I never took none of these classes in school. Yep. <laughs> Where did like what school was I going to? Right, right, right. In like not in high school. Yeah, yeah. I had that. I had entrepreneurship in in uh, high school. I had finances in high school, but I will say they did not talk about um, taxes and they did not talk about credit cards and things of that nature. They just did more so of working with finances you know what i'm saying uh how to Mm -hmm. do checkbook and things of that nature interesting it was better than nothing though that's how i look at it so 
I'm giving my high school side eye right now. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Yeah. But I'm not naming names. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, what's the word? So my next question for you guys is, what are your business goals for 2022? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what metrics do you use to assess past accomplishments and to set new goals? For 2022, our biggest goal originally, like when we, because my cousin asked me this, to start off the year, I was like, I want to put out at least four more books, which right now our lineup is looking like we're going to have that done. And then some. The, before the uh, summer even starts. But hmm. put out four more books, at least have a couple thousand dollars in the bank for our company, just like sitting there, like let it get no lower than, say, like 3000 just sitting there in the bank for the company because at that point that means that we've gotten past having sweat equity because a lot of times for a business when they first start up yeah most of your money is sweat coming out of pocket sweat equity is yeah the money that comes out of your pocket so Mm -hmm. having uh several thousand in the bank having uh sell like four or five more books out this year Mm. and obviously having my own book out which will Obviously, like the payout is different there because I am owner of the business. It's right. in house, so we don't have to pay anybody else. But that would probably be our biggest. Well, me personally, because me and my cousin, we don't always have the exact same. They're goal, pretty similar though. But like, it's typically pretty similar in that regard. Is okay. to have all that out because if we do all that, then one we have our foot in another market, business-wise, like for books with fantasy. Um, we have a more stable uh, income coming in from my book specifically for the company. And obviously, we have more avenues of income for each author that we have out. Because and more the people. We have out, the more people that we have yeah. selling their books, the more money our company makes. Yep. So. I can back that. And obviously, no longer paying sweat equity for our company. Yeah. So it, it's sustainable. Having, yeah, it's sustainable on its own. Makes sense. So my last question is, what advice do you have for people who want to start their own business? I would say that for me, my advice is people have a tendency when they do something and they aren't immediately good at it, they give up on it. Don't give up. All right. You're when you first start off like the first I think it's like the first two, three years of a company being like incorporated or being like official, you are going to be hustling and grinding right. to get anything to make even a little progress a little headway you're going to be working a regular job and paying into your company yep so it's natural to feel like you're not going anywhere but that doesn't mean you're not going anywhere right a little step is still a step a little step is still a step keep at it don't don't stop just because especially if somebody tells you well you know like your chances of success are you know basically non-existent don't yeah don't listen to that because somebody else had an idea for a business or they had a business and started just where you was started at. just where you was at and they fought through all of that and then they got they got where their they business today. to where they are today and then five other people did the same thing had great ideas as well had great you know strategies and everything but then gave up because somebody told them that they couldn't do it and they believed them so that would definitely be my advice just keep at it keep at it you have a dream you have a goal Keep your eyes straight forward and keep on pushing towards it. To piggyback off of that, um, don't like especially like where the world is now. Everything is disheartening. A lot of doubt moves around constantly. Um, 
constantly questioning whether something is worth it and everything, I always go back to impossible is only in the dictionary of fools. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll let go. Nothing's impossible. That's all I'm saying. And you have the people, the people will show up to help you do that very thing that need to be there. So that's what I would say. There we go. It's very powerful. Yeah. It's the Blue Shades way. See the world through our lenses. <laughs> you know, ah, yeah. We love a shameless plug. Yeah, got to throw it in there every now and then. But yeah, man, that's the basis of it right there. I wanted to add in what I learned from my experience. And it was, you know, some of the work stresses that come with developing a startup. Like, yeah, what I went through was normal. And like you guys said, You've got to keep going through it and growing and learning from all the challenges if you want it to actually become something. Right. I got an early glimpse of bad team behavior. So attacking people rather than attacking the problem. Yep. Yep. You know, saying in you guys case, maybe like, why am I not being paid more versus why is the company not making enough money to help us all get paid more? When, you know, like in its sort of still not stable phase. Right. It's like a newborn baby. You got to keep feeding it and feeding it until it can sustain itself. And all it does is shit on That's you. That's it. That's all it's going to do is <laughs> going to piss you off. You got to clean up after it. It's a lot. It's worth it, though. There we go. I also learned to set realistic expectations. Yeah. I went in not necessarily thinking, oh, we are going to win. Right. But thinking... If I do my best, then there is a chance I can win. Like, I don't know, if I, if I go into a board game with my friends, if I go into like a trivia night with my friends, it's like if you have a large enough crowd, so a large enough knowledge base of your friends and you're really prepared. Right. Th there's a chance, a reasonable chance that you'll do well. Right. Right. And I realized now that was that was not possible, not for that competition. Yeah. No chance. No chance. So what I took for that with podcasting is, you know, I'll tell myself, yes, I'm not going to be as popular as any of my favorite podcasters right out the door. Right. Right. But even if it's, you know, improving years upon years, season upon That's season. still improving. Yeah. If you keep refining it. With each episode. You got to remember you're different. They can't do this podcast exactly how you do it. You know what I'm saying? So because of that, you deserve to be in the conversation. That's how I look at it. Exactly. If you keep refining it, one day you can gain that popularity. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's coming. It's coming. I love this. People need this. And don't beat yourself up over it in the meantime, like during the growing period. Right. People need this, man. People need this. Where can people find you? Come check us out at Blue Shades Podcast on Spotify as well. Um, we talk about different things to help the mindset of how we, how we got to the point we are and how we're struggling and learning and going as we grow. We want you to grow with us. So um, come check us out, Blue Shades Podcast. Um, we also, of course, we do the publishing. So uh, you can get a hold of us at Blue Shades Publishing at Gmail. Our Instagram is bluesshades.publishing. I'm always on there to get a hold of me or any inquiries or anything. I'm always free to talk or even answer questions or, you know, if you want to get on the podcast, we definitely can do that too. So, you know, we'll set something up. Thank you for having us on yeah. 
uh, adulting horror stories. I've become a overnight fan, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be checking out your stuff as well, just to, just like, because hearing, like, even just hearing, like, your first story and everything like that, I definitely want to hear more of that. Right. I like your format. I like your style. Yeah, you got to check course, out the other ones there. Thank you so good. much for having us on in the first place. Oh, yeah. You know, for giving a voice to small business. Of course. And thank you for agreeing to come on. Oh, yeah. No problem, man. No problem. Always. With that said, this has been Adulting Horror Stories with your host, Dion, and Blue Shades Publishing. Hey, thank y'all. Thank y'all for having us. And I'll see you in the next one. You have a good one. Take care. I want to build generational wealth and change the way my family dynamic is. So doing something like all of us working on a book brings us closer together and it's helping others. So it was bigger to me than just, you know, just a business and seeing nobody else doing it. It was like, why not be us?